This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hey folks, welcome along to another episode of the Money Mechanics podcast where we are looking under the hood and unpacking the money stuff. Today we're going on a bit of a different journey, well maybe not quite a different journey, but um, I'm joined by uh, Shane Summer who I was fortunate enough to meet uh, a few years ago when we used to mark uh, CFP assignments, so Certified Financial Planner assignments together. But Shane is a financial advisor, a certified financial planner, but has actually been doing some really cool stuff in the financial literacy and education space. So I'm looking forward to chatting about that today with Shane. But uh, Shane, welcome along. Lovely to have you here. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here and great to catch up after a couple of years. Definitely. Now, look, we've been asking all our guests about an early happy money memory. So have you got an early joyous or happy money memory to share? Absolutely. I can remember um, my mum giving me my first bank account. I can still remember the digits of that bank account and that it had its own debit card attached and it meant that I was actually able to get money out of the bank. I can still remember her lifting me up so that I could press the buttons on the old ATMs that had like the blue buttons and the red buttons and there were so many buttons to choose from. And I used to be able to take the money out to, you know, go and get groceries. And then I knew I had access to my own money. And that was really exciting. Freedom and independence. I love it. I love it. That's a, that's a very cool story. Mm. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I was going to start off by reading like a, a part of one of the blogs or one of the, the posts that, you, that you've written uh, recently. But you were saying just before we started recording, so what have you been doing? Like, obviously, making finance stuff, I don't know, more palatable, making it so people can understand it and take interest in it. But what are you doing? Well, what we've been doing is writing evidence-based romance finance fiction, which I think is a first. It's a first of the genre. We've started it off. And what we do is we take uh, some evidence that's come from a psychological study and we take the lesson of that particular study and put it into a framework where you get to read hopefully an enjoyable story that's a bit of a brain break and a bit of escapism, but it gives you a little bit of financial empowerment along the way. That is fantastic. And I love the the psychology behind it. Again, you've, you've studied journalism as well, so pulling all those elements together as well. But it's a little bit racy, I have to say, like re- reading this uh, <laughs> this post – Emma was sitting across from Thomas. At least one part of her day was going right. He was there in all of his signature all-black attire. Clearly, he's from Melbourne. (laughs) The top button of his dress shirt casually undone, the shirt itself draping off him like a cascading silk curtain. Now, I'm not sure I've got the Mills and Boone uh, voice down pat, (laughs) but um, it's definitely attention-grabbing, so I'm, I'm loving what you're doing in that space. So, how did this come about? What what started all of this? Okay, well, the amazing Vanessa Stoikov, who is doing great things around changing conversations around money, um, she put a post out saying she wanted to hear from creatives and, you know, she's reinventing herself, she's doing some different things and can people send her their showreels, you know, whether they're, uh, you know, writers or whether they're video people or whatever they happen to be doing. So I wrote to her and I said, 
Uh, I'm a writer trapped in a financial planner's body, so I don't have a showreel, but I can write. And so we had a Zoom, we had a conversation around what could we do that's a little bit different. And she'd written a wonderful uh, romance story herself with a financial planner as a hero. And we started talking about that. And it just settled upon let's write some stories that are engaging, uh, you know, entertaining, but have a money lesson. And that's how we started. And interestingly, how we met through writing assessments or marking assessments, actually writing some of these stories is a very similar process of how you would write an assessment. Because obviously, when you write an assessment, you're trying to you know, have a, a student or candidate demonstrate their understanding of a learning objective. And so our learning objective comes from the psychological study. And then we write a lovely case study around it. That's a little bit more entertaining than your average case study in an assignment, let's say. I love it. So so the next CFP, a lot of assignments is going to uh, be based with, uh, with Thomas and Emma. Um, although, again, Thomas seems to be in all <laughs> states of undress. I'm, I'm a bit worried about his... Uh, his uh, his health if it's if it's cold outside anyway. Let's just be clear. Thomas keeps his clothes on for the whole story. It's all right. <laughs> Sorry, I am I am being a bit cheeky as I say that today, but I, I oh will. no, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> Whenever you dabble in this genre, you expect a little. Like I went to a wonderful um, symposium, and we were there all day as advisors, very professional, hearing from all the investment people. And Vanessa was actually chairing it and she gave her keynote at the end and she outed me to the room as her romance writer. And the conversations were very different. All day I'd been having very technical, appropriate conversations with people talking to me about the underlying mechanics of their investment funds. Well, didn't that change at the dinner? It was all, it was all out there. People were asking all sorts of fun questions. It was great to have different conversations. And as we should, I mean, look, money becomes a bit of a taboo subject sometimes. And I think, again, the more that we can make it palatable and, and have these these open, honest chats about it, but also make them fun. Like, again, money is just one of the, the fabrics of our life. And so, yeah, it's actually about weaving that into that life piece as well. And I'm actually loving the the principles and the I think you've you've put in this this one here knowing what we can control and understanding what we can't is a big part of manage, managing your finances successfully and so it's actually giving you that that real insight to hey here's a story but here's actually the consequence or the things that you need to be mindful of so um yeah I just I love what you're doing Shane I love it I love it thank you uh, thank you so much. Which ones have, have you enjoyed writing them? And again, I know that's, that's probably hard. It's like saying, which child do you like the most? But what have you enjoyed writing them the most? Oh, look, you're right. It's like trying to pick one of your favourite children. Yeah, I don't think I have a favourite. I think each one, as you write it, becomes your favourite because you found a way to demonstrate something in a completely different way to what people expect. A lot of the time when you do read finance articles, you get the headline, you get the, this is the lesson before you get any kind of benefit. And, you know, when we're talking to clients in the advisory world, often they will come and you can tell them until you're blue in the face the lesson. But until you work out what the benefit is for them that's actually going to make them act, that's the key difference. And hopefully when people read the stories, they go, oh, you know, here's a nice story. Oh, I didn't realise I was learning something at the same time and then it's easier to reflect back and maybe look back at the story and go oh so that's how that's demonstrated it's like when you sit down and have a cup of coffee with a friend you can often hear where they're going wrong in life 
but they can't see it because it's right in front of them. And you're able to sort of take it in and go, hey, have you thought about X? That might be another way of attacking this. And like, oh, I hadn't thought of that because all I had was information. I didn't have context. Here we have context with some information attached. And hopefully that's enough to have people question, is this relevant for me? Where's this going? Is it gonna? Are we gonna see a, a Mills and Boone style uh, romance on Netflix? That's that's in the uh, evidence based romance financial fiction genre. Wouldn't that be amazing if there's anyone from Netflix listening? Get in touch. I think we can do it. Look at this stage. I'm really happy putting out the fiction that we are separately to romance finance evidence based romance finance fiction i write general romance as well i have done for like 10 years but had never been brave enough to send it anywhere so i've recently submitted something on that side that's not finance based but hey you never know we, if it's successful we could wait we've won in but in the evidence based romance finance fiction genre um you know we're, we're groundbreaking and we'll just keep enjoying the ride I love it. I love it. And again, because often, um, and I, I see a few people on Twitter talking sometimes around doing financial planning documentaries or or mockumentaries. And and I oh know you look to something like Selling Sunset again. Real estate. We all human beings. We love real estate. And again, if you add a little bit of drama and and, and raciness to it, I guess it, it it gets very exciting. But the day to day of a financial planner isn't always that exciting or interesting. Like you'd have to really probably make some romances or some tension within an office to, to make it uh, palatable again on, on that big screen. But I think, um, yeah, telling, telling some of these stories with that, uh, that romance fiction lens starts to uh, bring, bring some of that creativity uh, into the mix and, and maybe changes uh, some of the conversation a little bit as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Day-to-day planning isn't going to set the screen on fire but I think we also want to normalise the, the conversation that people have a planner and this is a normal thing that we do and that, um, you know, I can remember a couple of years ago or probably 10 years or so ago now, it wasn't a normal thing to have your own personal trainer. You only went to a personal trainer if you had an injury you were trying to get, you know, back into a particular sport from if you're a professional sports person. It wasn't something that every day, for want of a better word, people were doing. And having a financial coach and a financial advisor is exactly the same. And I'm sure it's the same with you. How many people come in for their first meeting and say, I should really be better than this with my finances? And you say the same thing to your coach. You say, I should be better at my exercise and my diet. And they're like, that's okay. You haven't had anyone look at the whole picture. You're, again, looking at it just from your point of view. Come in and use my experience. Come in and see how I've worked with other people in a similar position. And you're able to say, this is what worked for these people. This is what worked for those people. Where do you sit in this and use that knowledge? It's the same in planning. You know, wherever you are is just fine. Let's become aware of where we're at and build from there using the knowledge and leveraging off the enthusiasm and motivation of someone who's going to keep you accountable. It's exactly the same. Yeah, I love that, Shane. That's uh, that's fantastic. And so I guess the psychology, and look, I, I love the psychology of money and how it all feeds into to decision making, but I guess even that that whole uh, giving people ability to implement advice or to actually take action around some of these these things as well. What what started that sort of journey into the the psychology of money piece for you? Well, my degree was arts, journalism, and psychology, so I was already interested in how people work and think. And then I did a, a personal development course, and one of the areas they focused on was money beliefs. 
and they asked the whole room, hey, tell me what do you know about money? And everything came out on the floor. It was, oh, you've got to have money to make money. Um, uh, money doesn't grow on trees. You can't take it with you. And then the negative ones, like money's the root of all evil. And, of course, someone jumps in and says, no, 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 it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And a lot of these day-to-day -day sayings or innate things that people have, they're actually really conflicting towards wanting to build wealth because they're entrapped in scarcity. You know, money doesn't grow on trees, so you've got to hold on to it or it's going to get away. Um, you know, there's no abundant thinking in that. It's all about scarcity or that people with money must be bad for some reason. And so if I've got some unconscious belief going on, it's going to limit me in wanting to actually go and achieve that because I don't want to be Scrooge McDuck or Mr. Burns, you know, people that we don't tend to like. So that was really eye-opening, and it was before I was a part of financial services, but it was really eye-opening to think, well, hang on, money doesn't have to define a person, and you can still be a good person, and it doesn't have to be scarce. Um and you hear that when you speak with clients. And so I like to let them, I'll ask them what's important uh, about money to them and just let them talk and let it fall out. And about the third or fourth thing they say tends to link back to some sort of childhood belief or incident that took place. And in psychology terms, we know that a lot of our innate money beliefs come to us between the ages of five and seven when we don't actually have a lot of contact with money ourselves uh, so we're actually copying or pattern recognising on those caregivers around us at the time. And so some of the best advice I ever received was in that course around let's just reassess what are my feelings and thoughts around this and are they serving me or can I change them to help me um, be more prosperous? Yeah, definitely. Because, again, we, we pick them up as little human beings and we start to then carry those into adulthood and we don't often do that reflective thinking to say, hey, there's an ongoing underlying script here that might be, oh, money's the root of all evil because that's what my, my family taught me or where, a lesson that I picked up along the way. But we've never had that, that time to sit back as an adult and go, is that true? Is that really true? Look, there might be a kernel of truth in there, but is it the whole truth? And actually, there's plenty of people out there making money and not being evil necessarily. So I guess that's why I love this work that we get to do. And, and it is such a privileged space that, that we get to work in at the end of the day. And my grandmother's contribution to that was a fool and his money are swiftly parted. Now, try and unpack that when you're five years old. Well, exactly. We don't. I don't think we've got the uh, any element, even even as a a forty two year old person. Like, let's unpack that. Like, what? <laughs> That's right. And how do you get? Like, how do? You, how, what tests were run to prove this theory? <laughs> Well, Shane, look, we, we do keep these episodes short and sweet and I'll put all the, the links to some of the stories and, and what you've been doing with Vanessa as well on the show notes for the, the podcast. But any final words, anything else that you want to sort of add to, to the conversation today? I think it's all about when it comes to investigating your finances to be braver sooner. Get in there and have a look and just get involved with it. Yes, it can be really scary, but the benefits of doing that and understanding where you're at and where you can grow is definitely worth it. And there's people here to help. So take advantage of them. I love it. We'll add the Money Smart website uh, links as well, because there's some great tools and resources on there around finding a financial planner um, or could, could also be looking for a financial coach as well. And again, just starting that journey. But I mean, look, as I say, Shane's put some wonderful things together in a bit more of a fun way. So go and check those out as well. 
Thanks again, Shane. Really do appreciate you being here today and um, hope our listeners have uh, enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to reconnect. Let's do it again soon. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Again, if you've enjoyed today's episodes, please jump in and rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and look forward to seeing you next time.